Eternal God, in the reading of your scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. They shouted, Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Don't be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. After he was glorified, they remembered these, that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. The crowd who had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead were testifying about him. That's why the crowd came to meet him, because they had heard about the miraculous sign that he had done. Therefore the Pharisees said to each other, See, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the whole world is following him. Here ends the reading. Anyone who has uh, known me for any extended length of time uh, knows that I am quite a nerd. <laughs> and, and not just about uh, religious things. But especially my, my oldest nerdum, my longest running nerddom, uh, has been Star Trek. And uh, I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation when it came on the air. Uh, I was six years old at the time. And I didn't miss a single episode of that show for all seven seasons. Uh, and I've seen everything. I've seen everything they put out, uh, except the animated series, which I need to watch. <laughs> but uh, recently there's been a resurgence of Star Trek in the media, new Star Trek. And uh, it's in this time that I, I miss one of my one of my uh, friends and um, uh, uh, one of the members of the congregation I used to serve in Austin, who was also a big Star Trek fan, and we would we would uh, geek out over Star Trek. But one of the shows that's currently on the air is called Star Trek Picard, and uh, Star Trek Picard season two is currently airing. Uh, I'm watching it as it comes out. Uh, here in it's actually they're streaming it on Amazon here in, in Japan with Japanese subtitles and um, I swear this will come this will come around to uh, to Jesus here in a minute <laughs> but but the point is I'm watching Star Trek Picard and uh, this second season of Star Trek Picard begins with Q who is a uh, a kind of omnipotent being um, that uh, the, the Picard, who, is, who uh, used to be captain of the Enterprise, this takes place 30 years later, 30 years after Star Trek Generation. He's, he's an admiral. Um, he was retired. Now he's teaching at the Academy. Uh, but Q sends him into an alternate, uh, an alternate world where uh, instead of becoming um, friendly and, and welcoming and inclusive and diverse and 
uh, welcoming in all of the races that they that they met with and, and building alliances and creating the federation humans have instead turned turned inward and become xenophobic uh, and are are living in a um, totalitarian state and there's a scene in uh, in the second episode maybe, maybe the third where Q is uh, is talking to Picard about this new world that he finds himself in and how in this world instead of Picard being the great peacemaker the great uh, uh, diplomat that he is in the main Star Trek timeline he is instead uh, a general and he is uh, you know a warrior and he's conquered many many peoples many races and they show he has all of these has all of these trophies all over his house he has he has um weapons that he's taken from you know from other civilizations and and in one room of his house he has trophies of skulls of of aliens that he has has killed and of course uh you know they're they're people that we know from the originals from the next generation sorry next next generation people that that in his own world uh picard was friends with and so after Q leaves him alone, he, he's looking for one of his friends, Laris, and he asks um, his, um, uh, effectively his slave, this is, it, it's, he's, a, he's an android, but it's, you know, a servant. And he says, you know, oh, you know, there's no one in Laris here, but, but there was a Laris who was fighting in the Roman Rebellion, and, you know, she was killed, blah, blah, blah. And he, then he says, there's probably still, uh, there's probably photos of, of her in the, um, uh, the records of the of the triumphs, uh, something along those lines. If you're curious, and he says no, no, he, he shuts it down. Now I found this entire conversation, and and really the look at Picard's house and his trophies fascinating because what they've done is they have modeled this totalitarian, xenophobic regime, warlike regime, on in a lot of ways the Roman Empire, and they've they've taken something that was very common uh, for Roman generals to do and have, have put that uh, on, onto Picard's alternate persona. And that is the, uh, the keeping of trophies and, and the, the holding of triumphs. And it's interesting because I think that um, the triumph is probably, a, probably something that the, the average person who has never read much about Roman history doesn't doesn't really know about. I know I didn't know about them until I took a course in Roman history uh, in college. But the what would happen is a general, uh, a Roman general would take his army and uh, and go out and conquer some place. And uh, after doing so, would bring back effectively spoils of war, would bring back uh, uh, slaves and uh, uh, things of value, you know, jewels and gold and weapons and armor and, and things that were kind of uh, unique or, or uh, exotic about the place. Uh, and he would bring all the, and, and of course, captives, like captives, you know, the captive generals or, or soldiers from the other side. And he would, he would bring all these back and then he would, he would have a, a parade uh, through Rome uh, showing off what he had done. And of course the parade, the, the triumph had to be 
granted by the Senate. It wasn't he didn't just do it. It was granted by the Senate as a show of, you know, how well he had done. And at the front of the triumph would be would be um, you know the captive uh, warriors from the other side. You know who were going to be killed, um, publicly executed. And then there would be you know uh, things showing off from the civilization and so on and so forth. And they would go through this. They would go through this big triumph. And and so this I think this is really interesting that they're tying this back. They're saying that you know this this other alternate Earth. Um, you know, 400 years from now, that has become totalitarian, xenophobic, and is wiping out all of the other non-human life in the galaxy, takes on this this aspect. And it also relates back very, uh, very well to our reading this week um, about the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And the reason has to do with the triumph and, and the, the, triumph, the triumphant entry. Now, um, of course, Jerusalem is not Rome. And... Uh, I seriously doubt there was ever a triumph in Jerusalem. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that the, you know, the Roman generals ever uh, had, a, had a triumph down the, the streets of Jerusalem. But what they did have uh, was the, uh, the parade of entry of the governor. So Pontius Pilate, who, who uh, is, of course, uh, mentioning all of the gospel stories as being the governor of, of Judea at this time. He is in town for the Passover. So, uh, you know, the, the reason why Jesus came to Jerusalem, the reason why all the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish um, uh, diaspora, if you will, are, are visiting Jerusalem at the same time is because of the Passover festival. One of the festivals where, uh, if at all possible, as a, as a, a Jewish male, you were, you know, expected to try and go to Jerusalem to 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 worship um, as part of the Passover festival. So, at this time, Pilate, who normally lives um, in Caesarea, which his primary his primary residence is not in Jerusalem, his primary residence is in Caesarea on the coast. He's come to Jerusalem uh, to be kind of in charge of this major feast, you know. Uh, to maintain order, so so that you know if if uh, things get uppity, he he and his army can be there. And in fact, uh, you know, one of the reasons why Jesus uh, was crucified, really, and, and one of the reasons why uh, the the Roman uh, authorities were paying attention to people like Jesus in in the Jewish community was because there had been this fervor around uh, uh, Judean independence from from Rome that 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 the Judean people didn't want to be a, a vassal state of of Rome any longer and uh, in in one of um, possibly the best and most irreverent uh, movies about Jesus you could you could ever see um Monty Python's The Life of Brian uh, there's a fantastic joke about this because uh, he meets he, the, Brian who is not Jesus um meets with the the Jewish I forget what they're called the Jewish Independence League or something like that um and there's like three or four of them it, it, it's it's worth if you've never seen Life of Brian um it's it's definitely worth watching once but this, this was a thing. There were there were these groups that were that were were 
kind of dissident groups that were trying to to uh, make Judea uh, separate. And in, in fact, there would be the Maccabean. There was there was the Maccabean um, revolution before before Rome, and and there would be another revolution uh, in seventy A.D., which would be absolutely crushed by Rome. Uh, and would result in the sack of Jerusalem and the sack of the of the temple, destruction of the temple, and uh, perhaps ironically for our story today, a triumph in in Rome, where they paraded the uh, the vessels from the temple of Jerusalem through the streets of Rome, which is well well documented. And um, there's a stella, uh, there, there's there's a carving uh, talking about this and showing showing it in in Rome. But when Pilate came and entered the city. Uh, there would have been a procession. Now, it wouldn't have been a triumph, of course, but it would have been still a procession. And it would have been a very stately procession because it would have involved uh, Pilate and his his army, you know, his, his force that's backing him up, making a show of the fact that, you know, look, the Roman law is here. The, you know, the, the power, the Roman power is here. So there better not be any any shenanigans. There better not be any any problems this week, you know, or else we're going to be here to stamp them out. And so he would have come in, and there would have been. I don't know if you've ever ever seen um, reconstructed images of, of what Roman uh, soldiers marching in in uh, in processions and things looked like, but they carried uh, in front of a, a group that would that would carry. There'd be a, a flag bearer. Or a standard bearer, he would, he would be carrying um, a large pennant, right, or or a sign. Um, uh, uh, I forget what they're actually called, but for the for each unit and things like that. And so you would there would be these tall, these tall um, staves with with you know decorations on them with you know moving through the streets. So you would see those coming up over the heads of people and people you know as the soldiers marched marched by. And of course, anyone on on horseback like Pilate would, would be standing up above the uh, you know the the the, the shoulders of of the, the soldiers marching, and it would be this this um, this very uh, obvious you know very forceful entry. And at the same time, it would have come from. Um, and here I'm, I'm probably going to get this this backwards, and I, I apologize if I do, but I think if I remember correctly, it would have come from the west gate. There there were two gates into Jerusalem um, that were well, there are more than two gates, there, but the the main gate, the 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 primary gate, would have been, as I remember, the west gate, which which was also, by the way, going towards Caesarea where he was coming from, and would have taken him through town. Um, to to the uh, to the temple, and there was another entrance on the other side um, that uh, is the east gate, which which is where Jesus entered. That was closer to the to the temple, already kind of near near the temple. Uh, and I may have those backwards, the east and west part. Of, I could have the backwards, but uh, John doesn't make a big deal about it being the east gate, but but the other. Uh, gospels do, and I think this is really important because what 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 we're setting up, what we're seeing in the story, is this dichotomy between the 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 rule of Rome and of uh, Pontius Pilate as the Roman governor of Judea, on the one hand, coming in through the through one gate with an army with with standard bearers with pomp and circumstance and 
uh, you know, with with crowds coming to see, uh, you know, what's what's going on. And then on the other side of the city, in almost, um, you know, almost not out, almost without anybody noticing, comes comes Jesus, and he, and he has his own standard bearers. And he was talking about the people who come and they bring the palms, right? These these long palm fronds, and you know, and they're like they're like Jesus's standard bearers, right? And he and whereas Pontius Pilate would have come in on a large war horse with this, this all this. You know, maybe a chariot and all this pomp and circumstance. Jesus rides in on a donkey, right? On, on a on a uh, an animal that's meant to represent his, uh, you know, his his meekness, his his lack of of position and, and rank, and, and all of this. And so, we get this this dichotomy between the triumphant entrance of Pilate coming in for the festivals and the triumphant entrance of Jesus coming in for the festivals as well, but also uh, knowing in advance that, um, that he's going to be crucified during, uh, during this week. And it's, um, it's important because it's, it's, it's plays on the role of, of Jesus in our lives as, uh, you know, the king of, of our lives, the the Lord of our lives. I, you know, the the word the word Lord is 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 really kind of um, uh, heavy laden with with alternate meanings and and you know um, overused and has some has some misogynistic aspects to it that make it make it complicated. But the the basic idea is that what the early church was saying, and indeed what we say, what we what we contend in our own lives as Christians is that Jesus is uh, the one that we look up to as, as uh, our experience of God on earth, right? That, that, that God is, is uh, our, our commander, our, our king, our, our emperor, our Lord, and, and that we place God, uh, and by saying God, we also mean Jesus as as you know, uh, God's son, and as uh, you know, our experience of God on earth, above the rulers of this world. And in Rome, in the early church, this was a dangerous concept. This this was a dangerous thing to say, because uh, it could mean death. It it could mean um, you know, uh, death for you and 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 your family. You know, if you had, so. This was the the um, this was the thing that the that the early Christians were really getting in trouble with, and in fact, when when um, when early Christian when you see Romans talking about early Christians in in the period in like the first like three hundred years of the church, uh, they talk about the Christians. You know, they they mention some things they think are odd. You know, it's odd they you know. Um, you know they get baptized naked, which uh, we, know, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but but in the early church they did. They got they got baptized completely naked. Um, you know they uh, you know they, they get together with with all sorts of people. You know the slaves and and you know and 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 uh, senators and and you know foreigners and you know everybody all together to eat. Those were, were weird things. But people just kind of thought those were strange. Those were strange aspects. But what people were concerned about was that they would be good citizens of the empire. And part of that meant um, 
being involved in the the emperor cult, being involved in the in the worship of the emperor as um, as divine, as as you know, uh, a child of of um, a child, you know, a, a descendant of a god, and and possibly a, a god themselves. And so, when Christians were unable to do this. That's when they really got in trouble with the Roman state and with the with their neighbors, the Romans, because to really say that they put no no god above God, no nothing above God, no idols, right, is to say that Caesar is not their king, um, and that is uh, that is treason in the Roman Empire. So. I think it's important that we think about these things when we think about Palm Sunday. Often, you know, for those of you who, who uh, were raised in the church and, and who were raised in a church that celebrates Palm Sunday, I'm sure for many of you, Palm Sunday is, is all about uh, the palms. And in fact, uh, in, in the church that I was a member of in, in Berkeley, we did this fantastic procession. And this is, this is an Episcopal thing, um, and, but I'm sure, and uh, I don't know the Catholic Church does this too, and I'm sure there are other uh, traditions that do it as well, but you, you know, you, uh, you parade around, um, around the church building. Uh, one of the churches, Episcopal churches would, would go like down the block and around and, and everything. And all the church members would be there and they'd all be holding palms, uh, and they would be singing as they went. This, this was to, to recreate this triumphant entry, entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's a fantastic ritual. And I, and I, I wish we could do it. Obviously there's, it's, Something we can't do well as asynchronously as we we meet, but um, you know, for a lot of folks, that that the palms are kind of the focus, and those palms are taken and burned, and the ashes from those palms then are the ashes used at um, uh, uh, Ash Wednesday for next year's uh, Lent. Um, so that uh, that is all very important, but I I think it's also important to remember the important bit of political uh, um, reversal that was happening in the story of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus says that the, the last will be first, that the, you know, uh, if you want to be a leader, you must, you must first be a servant, right? That this is his part of his whole teaching is this idea that, uh, that we have to live a life of the, from the bottom up, that we have to be, servants to to um, our fellow human beings and and serve the will of God and serve those around us without thinking about ourselves and that's kind of the first step and so this this is a similar thing we have Jesus and we're talking we're saying that you know we are going to we're going to follow Jesus we're going to follow uh, God uh, above um, the will of of the kings and 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 um, despots of, of the world. And no, of course, there are some tricky bits in here about, about you know, living in a, uh, in a modern society and living in a, in a you know, <laughs> putting up with, with laws and things. And there's been lots of back and forth over the years with Christian groups about that. But the point is that in our hearts, at least, uh, Jesus is first, God is, is first. And this was a, a difficult thing to say uh, in, in the Roman era. And it should also give us pause when we come later, as I said previously in the previous sermon, when we come later to the story about Pontius Pilate and, and 
is washing his hands of the death of Jesus. I think we have to take pause there and, and think about how that part of the story corresponds to this part of the story, right? And later when, when uh, Jesus is placed on the cross and, and Pilate creates a sign for him that says King of the Jews uh, in, in um, Aramaic and Hebrew and Latin so that it can be read by everybody, we have to, we have to, I think we have to take pause at that too and, and think about what does it mean for Pontius Pilate to be saying that? Because this was treason. This was, you know, this was um, a horrible thing punishable by death, right? And, and uh, in fact, likely one of the reasons, if not the reason, why Jesus was crucified in the first place. So all of those things come together, uh, you know, all those things should be things that we consider. But the, the take-home message is that the, the, the Gospels are all saying, and especially uh, they were in the early church and, and even now, that we need to put God above uh, the idols of our world, above, above the, the kings and the despots, and, and above the things that tell us to behave in ways um, that we know are, are wrong, the, thing, the things that tell us that, that money and, and power and position are more important than the lives of our, of our fellow human beings and, and, the, and um, the well-being of society. So I hope that you'll take that and, and think about it uh, and maybe, you know, rethink this story that uh, is sometimes glossed over um, in our telling of, of uh, the week of, of Jesus' passion and crucifixion and resurrection. Amen.